do you want success or do you want fulfillment? Because most people, they get success. You can get success, but that's where we see the kind of proverbial story of the billionaire that commits suicide or the artist or the actor or the rock star or the athlete that is unhappy and same thing. My point is success isn't the thing we want ultimately. What we want is fulfillment. And fulfillment is a different game. This is the Beats Working Show. We're on a mission to redeem work, the word, the place, and the way. I'm your host, Mark Wright. Join us at Winning the Game of Work. Welcome to Beats Working. It's great to have you here. Naeem Mahmood gave thousands of talks when he was a national speaker for Tony Robbins, and he spent a career coaching people to the next level. At the heart of what Naeem teaches is the concept that each of us has the power within us right now to change our lives for the better. It's simply a decision we have to make, and then we have to put in the work. Naeem is also a big advocate of being intentional about what we want and honest about who we are and how to get it. He says our lives are a reflection of our rituals, and we go deep on what that looks like on a daily basis. How are you setting yourself up for success each day? Naeem also teaches people better ways to communicate. Again, taking personal responsibility is at the heart of it. He says the meaning of your communication is the response you get, and that's on you. Naeem is the host of the podcast Peak Humans, where he shares top tips to make life better. I really enjoyed our time together because Naeem's energy is simply infectious. Here's to the next and better version of you and me. Naeem Mahmood, welcome to the Beats Working Podcast. It's great to have you here. Thank you, Mark. I'm uh, excited to be here. So in doing a little background on you, I find all kinds of cool content. You've got a podcast. You've got a consulting business. You were uh, one of the national speakers for Tony Robbins for a number of years. What a cool background, and, and I'm just super excited to learn from you today. Oh, man, I'm excited to be here. And uh, yeah, I've had a blast so far and I'm, I'm, I'm blessed uh, to be in the position I'm in. So Naeem, the podcast is called Beats Working, Winning the Game of Work. We're on a mission to redeem work. I'd love to hear from you just off the bat. Um, I'd like your perception of work right now in America. Is it broken? Does it need fixing? How do we redeem it? Man, that's a powerful big question but i'd say well one is i'm kind of a little bit out of the out of the off the pulse because i'm down in puerto rico and i kind of live in my own little bubble um but from what i hear and something i also don't read too much news but right but i've read some things about the great resignation i know obviously the challenges people are going through with covid and now the economy and things like that but um i think work is an interesting thing because for me it was always, I never wanted to work, right? Most young people, they just want to make a ton of money and do nothing. But for me, I just reestablished what work means, right? Like work is a meaningful act. And I like to say to myself every morning, my labor is my love. So um, I, I kind of see work as like my contribution to the world and it's uh, to get to, right? So I'm not looking to retire. It keeps keeps people young and keeps them healthy. One of my mentors, he's in his late 70s. He was Nelson Rockefeller's uh, chief of staff for a long time and uh, but he still works to this day because it gives him meaning and purpose and keeps him young and healthy and uh, makes him happy yeah I feel like I don't want to be that guy that at 75 checks out and just goes to Palm Springs and golfs every day I, I don't I don't yeah. think I want to be that guy although I do love golfing in Palm Springs I just discovered that for the first time but uh, talk to me a little bit about how you got here I mean in doing some reading on your background Naeem I found your childhood is really interesting, and I just, I think it, you told me uh, when we talked a few weeks ago that it really shaped who you are today. Talk a little bit about your childhood and how that gave you a lens through which you, you see life. Yeah, absolutely. So I'd say my childhood shaped me in ways, one, socially with friends and peer groups. Um, I was, um, I grew up in a great neighborhood in, in northern New Jersey, right outside New York City. Um, but I also was kind of a, one of the minor, I was a minority, right, in terms of my ethnicity and my race. Um, so it did make me want to learn how to connect more with people and learn how to bring people together 
And uh, so that was definitely a big motivation. And also say with my family, my parents, they, they, they argued quite a bit growing up. So that was another big driver for me to learn how relationships work and do better relationship myself uh, with my partner. And uh, also obviously being a great dad one day, I don't, I don't have kids right now. Um, but yeah, so I would say those things definitely drive me to uh, learn more about life and learn more about relationships and learn how to be how to be a great person, how to live a great life. Because again, they don't really teach these things in schools. So that's kind of what drew me to this path of personal development and personal growth. Because I never got taught how to do these things. And the cool thing is, there's a process to this, and you could have an incredible life uh, if you obviously put in the hard work and learn some skills and and uh, learn from great people as well. Isn't that funny? There's no instruction manual for life. Isn't that just strange that the most important thing to the happiness and fulfillment of us as human beings, no, there's no manual that they give us in first grade, is there? Yep. It's so wild, isn't it? It is wild. And hopefully one day when we're, uh, well, hopefully not when we're long gone, but maybe one day when we are long gone or hopefully sooner, uh, it'll shift, right? Because I think we are making great progress in, in humanity. Uh, but yeah, it is wild to me uh, that that's the case right now. Talk to me a little bit about your parents. They came from very, very different backgrounds. Your dad is a Muslim. Your mother, I think, was a Jehovah's Witness. And um, yeah. what did that, as a kid, that must have been super interesting for you to just see those two different truths that these people were living that you were, were your parents. Definitely, it did. It make me, I, when people ask me what my religion is, I say, I'm confused. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Because I'm like, all right, like if the two people I love the most as a kid are like fighting over this religious thing, I'm like, all right, there's something interesting here. And that was, going back to your other question, one of the earlier questions, that was a big driver for me too, understanding more about like what drives people and religion and things like that. So um, it definitely shaped me a bit. And But again, it made me become better with people and better with psychology because I, I wanted to figure it out and how to, uh, again, just navigate those types of challenges. So talk about, uh, I guess you were kind of a traditional kid, you know, go to college, mm-hmm. um, pick a major that would be financially successful. So, so take me through how to, your, your school years and, and where you wound up. Yeah. So, yeah, so I went to, again, a great, I, I grew up in a great town in, in Jersey, and I, I had a blessing to be in a great educational system there. And then I, I was doing the typical thing, right? I went to a great school and I went to NYU and I was kind of following the, the default path, right? Like it's like, go to college, which is great, but not everybody needs to go to college too, honestly. Like if it's not your thing, I don't think that's the thing you must do, right? Because especially now with student debt being bigger than ever and kids not even knowing why they're going to school. And I was actually one of those kids. I was just going to school because I should go to school, right? Like I didn't really study anything I wanted to study. I studied economics because... Again, it was like a good thing to study and I could go become a banker or, and work on Wall Street, which is what I did uh, when I first graduated. Um, but uh, yeah, like after college, and then, then I had to figure out those quite hard questions after college because I didn't have to think about them before college. So that was uh, my, my learning lesson on that journey. So you had a great job on Wall Street. You decided to move to Silicon Valley at some point. What, what caused that move? Um, well, that was the place to be, and, and uh, I, I was excited about all the tech stuff and innovation, and I had some friends out there, um, and so that was probably the main reason, um, just opportunity and innovation and um, meeting awesome people. Yeah. What was that like working in Silicon Valley? It's, I, I think it's an environment that most normal people, average people, just can't, can't conceive of. I mean, in terms of just the stakes um, the amount of money, the ideas, the, the amount of genius that exists there, right? Yeah, absolutely. I loved it. Um, and again, it depends on what even part of like the, the ecosystem you're involved in. Um, I was more in the, again, the creative part cause I was, I was kind of on my journey of figuring out like what do I really want to do. And so I'm more, I'm more of a startup guy, right? Like I like to like be kind of in the initial building phase and brainstorming phase of starting a company company and figuring things out and helping people. So for me, it wasn't as much of, there was definitely like high stakes involved, but I was more just like with founders and like our team and working on like the new, the new companies and products and services that we were working on. So for me, it was fun just to meet again, really creative, really smart people in their own ways and to just constantly be thinking about, all right, how can we solve this problem and how can we add more value to clients and uh, just 
being in that uh, mindset and that frame. I, I just love the culture out there in the sense where it was less, and again, it depends on where you're on the ecosystem, but I went from like the banking hedge fund world, which is all about like numbers and revenue and ROI and all that stuff to the flip side, which is more, all right, how can we like create this cool product and talk to customers and figure out what they want and like be out there talking to people. So that was more aligned with uh, my values and, and my purpose. Yeah. Did you learn anything, Naeem, when you were in Silicon Valley, in those jobs, in those early years? Were there any big lessons or any any mentors that, that uh, caused some light bulbs to turn on for you? Uh, yeah, a lot. Um, I'd say, well, the first person that comes to mind is one of the founders of, uh, I worked for a fund. Uh, again, I worked for a fund, but a, a VC fund, and I was kind of working in one of the startups, right? So it was more of a family office. So the, the founder and the owner of it, he was very successful, he sold his company. And it was cool to work close to him because he was very charismatic, very influential and very, he also like, kind of like, I'm not, he wasn't on the level of Steve Jobs, but like, just kind of that, right? He always had cool ideas and like, when he talked to you, it would just be like, you'd be mesmerized. And like, you'd see him talk to other people and you'd be like, whoa, it's like just influences the whole room. So it's cool to be around that. And again, if you're around that enough, it rubs off on you and you start to see the nuances and the skills. So point is that definitely I learned the, the, the power of like communication and influence and storytelling uh, from working with him. Another person I got, I was blessed to work with was uh, he was a very more on the analytical. He was a AI expert. He was one of the people who worked on NATO's command and control systems. So, and he worked on the startup too that I was working on. He was the, the CEO the, 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 and with him, I learned just more about just kind of like process and systems thinking and also just thinking with more clarity and like specificity uh, as well. So those are probably two people that come up where I learned some really cool skills and uh, got to be around them. Yeah. Do you think that there's a big difference between that level of entrepreneur and the average person? Or do you think there's a kind of a gray area where... Um, you know, a lot of us are risk averse and we don't want to take those huge chances, but at that level, I mean, you've got to take risks, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think, well, th there's a really good book called Grit by Angela Duckworth, which I love because she does, again, it's not, we think these people like Einstein or Edison or Steve Jobs are like geniuses and they are, but also on the flip side, to be cliche, we're all geniuses, right? We all have our own innate skills and talents and gifts but the, tr the question is, do we actually like embrace them and like the, the, the challenge is to actually understand it, right? And like know thyself and like kind of understand who you are and be yourself and then work on developing those strengths, right? And then in the book that I love about Grit, the book by Angela Duckworth, she says the determining factor between like geniuses and not is just effort, which sounds boring and like whatever and basic, right? But it's effort. It's like how much effort are you willing to put into your craft day after day after day, because that is really the defining factor that she says of geniuses, right? Like Einstein, Edison, Steve Jobs, they were just like masters of their craft and to become a master of your craft, it's simple. You just got to put in the effort every single day, day in and day out for year after year after year after year, which is for most people hard to do. Yeah. Speaking of Einstein, re read the uh, sign behind you, if you would, so, so our yeah. audience could hear it. Yeah, for sure. L love is the answer. So I remember seeing a, a cool photo of him holding a sign just like this, kind of my finger holding it up with a, uh, as the wood. And uh, Einstein is just holding that up. So I thought that was really cute and a great reminder. So I just painted that myself and put it up on the wall. That's really cool. And, you know, something else that Einstein said, I'm not stating it exactly, but he said something like, the more that I learn, the more I realize I don't know. Mm, so yeah. here's, a, here's a guy who understands the power of love and the limitations of just being human, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. It's, uh, it's cool when you, I, I love reading biographies, right? So I find there's common threads and patterns of, of these people that are geniuses, right? If you want to call them that. Um, but that's one, right? Like one is they all love reading and learning. And another one is similar to what you said. It's like the more they learn, the more they realize <laughs> they don't know in a, in a humbling way, right? Like it's the, the, the wise people usually kind of realize they don't know it all and that they, they, they're also open to learning from the smartest, but also the quote unquote people that are below them, right? Because they don't really see it that way. They, they can learn from anybody. Yeah. You talked about big personalities. You got connected 
with uh, Tony Robbins, and I'd love to hear that story. Uh, I just the statistic I read, you gave something like three thousand or more uh, speeches during that time with Tony Robbins. Is that right? Yeah, it was about two thousand, but I'll take I'll, I'll take three thousand. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so how did how did that all start? I mean, he's just an, such an iconic figure in our country. Oh yeah, it's incredible. I'm so blessed to be able to have uh, had the relationship and, and be, in, be work for him and be part of the mission. Um, it was really, it's still, it's it's amazing how deep in my bones and cells it's been, and I'm, I'm still part of the family, and uh, I'm still grateful to uh, just have relationships with him and the whole company. But uh, yeah, I went to the one of the events. So well, this is I was on my personal growth journey, and I it started with reading books. And then uh, I took an event, I took one seminar, which led to another, which meant, led me to meeting somebody who said, oh, you should go check out Tony Robbins. And I'm like, yeah, whatever, right? Like most people would be. And I heard about him before. I'm like, yeah, it's okay. And then, I, But I bought a ticket anyway, because I'm like, all right, I'm going to start saying yes to more things and just be more curious and exper- open-minded about things. So I bought a ticket and I was living in New York at the time. And then the weekend, it's on a weekend, right? And I'm like, I'm 23 or something, I don't know, 20 around there. And it's the weekend in New York. And all right, do I want to go to the seminar or do I want to like just chill in New York on the weekend, right? <laughs> so I was like right on the edge of not going. But then I'm like, all right, I'm going to go, got to go. So I went and it was just like the most incredible thing I've been to at that point in my life, right? It was just like a rock concert. It was fun. Everybody was uplifting and friendly and smart and like and driven to grow and learn. Um, and just seeing Tony, it was like, I've been other, I went to some other events before that, but like Tony was, it's like going to see Michael Jordan play and like everybody else, right? It's like, all right, there's clearly a difference here between this person and everybody else. Um, and I'm still looking for somebody that's on Tony's level, right? Like Tony's just, from what I've seen so far, he's just, he's just a gift, right? Like, um, but I went and I was like, this is amazing. And he planted the seed in my head where it's like, oh, I want to work for this guy. Like I remember hearing Richard Branson say once, um, He's like, if you want to just be, build your vision and be really successful and do your own thing one day, first, it's a good idea, a good idea to go get paid to learn. Hmm. So it's like, what do you want to get great at? Like, what do you want to master? What do you want to build? So if you want to go master investing, go work for Warren Buffett, right? So if you want to go master sports, go, or like basketball, go try to work for Phil Jackson or somebody, right? Like, or, or a sports team. But the point is like, all right, cool. Like I want to learn how to do what Tony does because I saw Tony have conversations and help people change their lives in the moment in front of all these people. And I was like, that was so inspiring to me to do that and it touched me so deeply. So I'm like, all right, I want to learn how he does that. So I applied for the job and I got the job and I started working for him. So what was it about Tony's message? And for those of us who have not been to a Tony Robbins, I have some friends who just absolutely loved going to those sessions. But Break down yeah. what, what a Tony Robbins session is and what's the underpinning philosophy that he teaches? Yeah, sure. So I'd say it's a big question. Uh, there's, there's so many different like ways of thinking about it and explaining it. But I'd say simple in terms of like what uh, is the undermining philosophy is we have the ultimate power within us to change our life at any moment, right? And it, and it really just is a decision. And again, that sounds basic and obvious, right? But it's like literally we have the power to like control our lives and create it how we want it and also take responsibility for our lives too. Because most people, myself included back then, I wasn't taking responsibility for my life. I was complaining. I was like, oh, my parents fought. Like it was 2008, the financial crisis happened. I'm like, oh, the economy's bad. Like all these external things are ruining my life, right? (laughs) So that was cool. That was like a cool like ownership and also painful because it's like, oh, cool. Like it's not on the world, it's on me. So, but the cool thing too is like, if I could make it this way, I could also make it another way how I want it, right? So I'd say that's kind of like the under underpinning mission. And also like leadership is living life on your terms too, right? It's like live life on your terms and, and, and the quality of your life is also the quality of your emotions, also learning how to manage that. Because most people, me too, back then, I was just, my emotions were all over the place, right? I was like sad, excited, depressed, angry, determined, and then like going through those cycles, right? Versus, oh, cool, like I could actually manage my emotional state and there's like a way to do this versus again, just being like tugged along the river of life. So I'd say that's kind of the underpinning mission or or way I would describe it in terms of the way the events are. 
again, very fun and entertaining because Tony, again, he's a master of what he does and the best way to learn is through entertainment, right? And also movement, not just sitting down in a seminar. Mm -hmm. Like you could go watch Tony's stuff on YouTube, but it's not gonna be as effective because it's like, I'm just sitting down passive, right? Or I could go watch anybody else, Warren Buffett or some or a, or a workout video, but if you're not actually doing the physical act and moving your body, it's just gonna be up here in your, your, brain, your, your, your head, which is why most people in today's world, we understand things cognitively, but we're not actually doing it. Like everybody knows how to be healthy and fit. Everybody knows how to make more money. Everybody knows how to build a business. <laughs> yeah. Everybody knows how to be in a passionate, loving relationship, but it's the, the, the inverse of what actually people are doing, right? Most people don't have any of those things, right? Yeah. So um, tell me what was a typical day like when you were a national speaker with Tony Robbins? What what was a typical day like in terms of like you get up and just take me through the day? Because it sounds like a really interesting way to make a living. Yeah, it was. It was really fun and also very challenging. Uh, but I'd say basically typical. it was kind of like the Navy SEALs of like influence and like human <laughs> uh, persuasion. Right. Because my job was to either be doing talks or booking talks. Right. So if I'm not doing talks, which is why I did so many talks, right? Like if I wasn't doing a talk that day or multiple talks that day, I had to go out and like book talks, right? And, and again, Tony is like, he's a results driven person. It's not like you could just sit at home and wait till they give you talks. Like you'll be off the team in a heartbeat, right? Like you got to perform, right? Wow. So it's like, if you're not performing, it's like, why are you even here, right? And which is also, I love it. Cause again, it's practice what you preach. And that's kind of, again, the essence of what Tony teaches It's like, it's about getting results in your life because that's what we want, right? We, we want results in our business, relationship, our health and all that. So typical day, I'd wake up nice and early, do my routine, just make sure I'm ready for the day. I would meditate or I would journal, I'd work out and things like that. And then I, again, if I had a talk booked, I'd go do a talk with a company. If I didn't have a talk booked, I would just go either knock on doors the old fashioned way or I would pick up the phone and call or I would just kind of go network and go to an event or something like that. And the cool thing over time, I got more creative, I got better at it, um, but it was a lot of fun. In the beginning, it was definitely resistance. Like the first time I was knocking on a realtor's <laughs> door in Wisconsin, I was like, ah, and they're like, you could leave now. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, but then you get good at it, right? I got better and better at like, hey, how's it going? Right, getting past the gatekeeper, going to the d decision maker, the founder, the broker, whoever it might be, and like booking a meeting on the spot. Like then it was like, oh cool, I have like, I felt like a Jedi in Star Wars where it's like, oh, I have these superpowers now where I could like, I could make it to like Eric Schmidt at Google and like make it through all the people if I was in Palo Alto and like figure out how to get in the door and like knock on his door and be like, hey Eric, let's have a chat, right? So, so it was a cool skill set to learn. And at the end of the day, it's like one of the, th the things I learned most from Tony is influence is the ultimate power. And again, going back to your original question about what the event's about, it's like influence. Because if we're not, if we, and the first person we got to influence is ourselves. Because if you can't influence yourself, you can't influence other people. But so the first person every day, I got to influence myself to get up. I got to influence myself to go knock on doors. I got to influence myself to make my sales calls. I got to influence myself to whatever, go to the gym, right? So whatever it is you got to do. And then it goes from the inside out. Then it's a like, cool. I got to, how can I influence this one person? for their sake, right? That's the other thing. Most people, when you think of an influencer or a salesperson, that usually people try to take, right? That's not what we're talking about. We're trying to talking about more in the giving context, because right? real sales is service, right? So it's more about, all right, how can I serve Mark, right? So I'm not going to try to sell you something, Mark. Like I'm going to serve you, right? And that's what real business owners do. That's what you guys are doing with the podcast, right? That's what Dan is doing with his company, right? It's like real service. It's a uh, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, the sidekick, right? The be, be a hero. The, the yeah, sidekick. the sidekick process. Yeah, the sidekick process. Exactly. I love how Dan talks about that. It's like, it's not about me. It's about how can I serve you and be be the sidekick to you being the hero, right? So, influence was a really cool skill to learn from Tony, and now to this day, it's so helpful in my business and to help my clients and, to, and also my personal life. I heard you say our lives are a reflection of our rituals, and you talked about how you start your day. I'd love you to share some some wisdom when it comes to um, things that you found are effective at starting your day. Yeah, absolutely. So for sure, like if you look at the, when somebody has a challenge, it's like, all right, like look at their habits. It's kind of like a, an accounting system. If people have money, 
It's like, all right, let's go see where you spent your money, right? So, or, or didn't spend your money, right? But like, same with habits. If, if you're unhealthy and overweight, or if you're broke, or if you're don't, if you keep falling in the same pattern of finding like this abusive partner and relationship, emotionally or physically or whatever it might be, it's like you have a habit and patterns that create that, right? Maybe you eat Doritos, maybe you don't sleep on time, maybe you're like not eating vegetables and drinking green juice, whatever it might be. So you're, that's why, that's what it means where our life is a reflection of our rituals, right? You could literally be like, oh, cool. Like Mark, you're really great at what you do and I'm sure you have rituals that you've done now for like over the last 25, 30 years that make you really great at what you do, right? Yeah. Um, and too, if we're honest, like myself too, like we also have areas we're kind of not that good at, right? <laughs> That's where it's like, oh, cool, yeah. So tattoo, you probably have some rituals there or lack thereof where, all right, cool, how can I, what rituals do I need to kind of implement to raise my standard so I can improve that area of my life, right? So, uh, but the morning, I, li I like it just because, again, how you start your day and primer day it's important, right? It's kind of like getting that, uh, like a, a lineman in football or a jujitsu or a wrestler. Like if you get that edge on the day, like even that little two millimeters makes a huge difference, right? So as soon as I wake up, instead of like letting the day take over and like my phone and my thoughts and the stress and whatever, it's like, I'm going to take it first. Because most people, when they wake up, they go into sympathetic of the auto, autonomic nervous system, right? They go into like fight or flight and they're just reacting all day. They're stressed out. They have cortisol all day. Yeah. And then versus parasympathetic, which is more rest and digest. And you're kind of just in a centered grounded state and you can handle things a lot more effectively. Kind of like Neo in the matrix, right? When the bullets are coming, I could like see them instead of like getting hit or like getting all flustered. So, but ways to do that, again, this is not just like esoteric, airy-fairy stuff. There's like scientific um, proof to this stuff, right? So one really great person I like to listen to and I suggest to people is listen to Andrew Huberman. He has a really good podcast. He's a professor of neuroscience at Stanford. So like this is like real neuroscience and neuroplasticity. But my point is like meditation is one. It's like I meditate. I've been meditating every year, every day for the last like probably 10 plus years now. So that was probably like one of the biggest game changers for me because that just slows everything down, right? Drops me in and like I could handle things better. I like to write. I like to journal because it gets all the thoughts out of my brain onto paper. So it's like, all right, if you keep it in your head, it's just going to circle around over and over and over. So if you get it out, it's just like, it's out, right? And then another one that I like to do, I like to well, work out, which is something a lot of us have heard before, but not everybody does it. I like to do some sort of physical exercise, right? To go to the gym, do some yoga. If I don't have time, I just go for a quick walk around the block. I like to, I'm in Puerto Rico, I like to surf and paddleboard if the waves are there. Um, I also like to, what's another one I like to do? Oh, read, like reading too, for sure. Like reading I'd say is probably the other, reading and meditation I'd say are the, probably the two most profound things that, that have impacted my life because I was reading a quote the other day about from Charlie Munger. He's like, you'd be amazed, this is Charlie talking about, Charlie Munger's Warren Buffett's business partner. He's like, you'd be amazed at like, Warren Buffett, he's like literally just sitting down, reading all day and like thinking all day. And then like, he's just very patient. And then like when a great opportunity comes, then he like takes some action. But most people, they just mess up because they're so hasty and they're like just always looking for something, right? Versus like just reading. Like again, all these amazing people, they love to read books, right? So um, reading is another thing I like to do in the morning. Wow. So understanding the value of just thinking and being pragmatic and I think there's yeah. a, our society tends to reward lots of action, right? It's like, hey, the yeah. boss is coming. Look busy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep, um, absolutely. So uh, I love your podcast, Peak Humans. Um, super cool, digestible, great takeaway. Um, you've also got the Peak Network. That's your consulting business, right? Yeah, so Peak, yep, Peak Humans is, uh, I like to share tidbits of, insights of things my clients are going through just kind of ways to to handle those kind of tools right for to be more of a peak performer in life um and then also interviews right i, I do interviews with people that are doing great work in the world and i kind of extract their their thoughts their mindset their belief systems their habits and behaviors their rituals uh in what they do so so other people can hear that and, and learn that as well because if you can model somebody you could do it a lot quicker than doing it on your own 
right? Wow. Um, and then the, yeah, the Peak Network is uh, kind of part of the coaching, consulting arm of my business where we just a group of people and we are high performing entrepreneurs and we come together every so often and it's through coaching and powerful discussions where we just uplift each other and support each other to go to the next level, right? So we use, I use a lot of coaching tools in there that I learned again, working with Tony and over the years, other, other courses and events I've attended to help these entrepreneurs just up level and go to the next level. But the magic is again, one-to-one is cool, but when you're in a group and it like comes together again, that's the mastermind effect. If you've ever read Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, it's like the energies come together, right? And I'm reading another really good book. Um, uh, what's it called? The Rational Optimist by uh, Matt Ridley. It's a great book. He wrote another really good book called Genome. Uh, but he basically in the book, he talks about how humans evolved to the next level was, yeah, we, um, I forgot the first thing he said, like it was our genes, obviously, like just through evolution. But the next thing that helped us do things like this, be on Zoom, have these mics, have these headphones, is collaboration, right? Humans coming together knowingly or not, right? Because the person who built this blue Yeti microphone material doesn't know that I'm like, doesn't know maybe Steve Jobs and like the people that made the Apple computer and like whatever shirt you're wearing over there. So the point is like the ideas of people coming together, it has this magical effect uh, when that happens. So it's really cool blending that with the coaching tools. Then it's really fun because it's like holding the space for that too, right? It's not just getting people in a room because then it's just banter, right? It's people just talk. But like if you could like kind of like an orchestra, put the right instruments together and kind of create the space for that to happen, it becomes really cool. When you start coaching people, what -hmm. does that look like? And I'm guessing I heard you just say that you kind of assimilated like some stuff that you learned through Tony and through your life experience. But what is what is your coaching experience like? Yeah. When I work with a client. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So whether it's with a company or a team. Right. And then also individuals. But starting if it's a company or a team, same there. It's what's the outcome? Right, because most people they're focused on their problems. Hmm. I call it problem frame. Right, even especially in corporate America, right, a lot of people bureaucracy. So we got to get them out of problem frame into outcome frame. Right, so and it starts with the leaders, and the leaders usually blame the team, and the team usually blames the leaders. Right, <laughs> so it's really kind of like deconstructing uh, it and setting more precise boundaries, and also teaching some fundamental. Um, I call them presuppositions, right, to people, the leaders and the team about, all right, the one simple one that's really powerful is the meaning of your communication is the response that you get. Hmm. The meaning of your communication is the response you get. So what that means is it's like if I communicate to you, Mark, in a loving way and I'm like, oh, Mark, you're so awesome and you take it in a different way, like, oh, Naeem, you offended me. Most people are like, what? What are you talking about, Mark? You're such a weirdo. What's wrong with you, Mark? Like, I would blame you for like not taking my communication in the way I intended it, even though I had loving, awesome intention. Mm -hmm. So my point is, though, it's flipping it and, again, taking ownership. All right, cool. What did I say? How can I say it differently? So Mark, actually, it has the effect I want to have on Mark. So same with companies. Again, it's like, all right, cool. The executives, they're like, the founders, like, I'm training them, I'm giving them all the resources, I'm paying them, like they're not doing the results, what the heck? And then the team is like, I'm doing my work, I show up on time, I'm doing what you asked me to do. And like, all right, again, it's your fault, your fault, your fault, your fault. So again, teaching simple, not, well, simple, but also not, right? Like huge distinctions. It's like hitting a golf club, right? If you have your thumb like two millimeters off, it's gonna go from being on the green to like shanked Mm -hmm. out into the forest. So like these tiny little micro distinctions that people aren't aware of that make a world of a difference in their business. And the cool thing is sometimes, and most of the time, honestly, I go and make these tiny little shifts and like, it's a huge shift for the company, right? They double their revenue, they solve the challenges, they figure out things. So for me, it's fun because I get to be like a magician and kind of show them these things, kind of like a coder on a computer with a website. If you don't know how to code a website, you'll be banging around all day like a monkey. But if you know how to code, it's like I could press one little thing and it's like, boom, you got a website, right? So, and then similar with individuals, right? If it's with individuals, same idea, but again, all right, what is the individual working on? Most of my clients are founders of businesses or running a fund or working in Web3 on their protocols and their projects. 
but depending on what they want, right? Everybody has a different outcome. And then from there, a similar thing. It's all right, what's the distinction? What's a two millimeter shift that can help them kind of become aware of that they're not aware of and make the shifts. And a lot of it, again, comes down to also their belief systems and their values. Because most people, their values are in conflict, which is why most people, they go for goals, but the reason they don't at take so many people, right? Like tell me if it resonates with you or you see other people go through the same thing. It's like they have a goal, but they don't actually take action on the goal. And they're like, why don't I achieve my goals? I don't know why, right? And the only reason is because their values are just not, they're in conflict. Because I always tell people, don't focus on your goals as much as you focus on your values. Because your values are driving your goals. Yeah. And then same with beliefs, right? If your beliefs are, if I want to be on more podcasts and I have a belief that I'm not great on podcasts and nobody wants to hear what I have to say, it's like I'm either not going to book them or even if I'm on them, I'm going to sound like crap because I'm going to run in the back of my head the whole time. It's a filter. It's a filter of how you see the world, right? I'm going to be like, oh, nobody cares. This, I'm not sounding good. And then I'll just, I will start to reflect that in the physical world, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's just so weird how, and we're all guilty of this, living mm-hmm. on autopilot. You know, you talked about reacting to the world and blaming other people. And that's, that's just kind of the human condition. I'd love you to talk to that person listening to the podcast right now who maybe is not making progress on their goals. And mm-hmm. maybe not not living the life that they really want. What 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 advice would you give them? Like, where do you start? That's a great. So that's another big one, and that's a great question. Um, I would say first, I would start. Wow, there's so many ways to go with this. They're just popping in my head. It's like, sure, sure. Uh, <laughs> but 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 the first one I'd say is again, what do you want? Right. So that's a simple, fundamental premise. Right. What do you want? Like practice asking yourself that because most people myself included, when I discovered this, I realized instead of asking, what do I want? I was asking, what should I do? Right. And presupposing I should be doing something to make somebody else happy, to get validation from somebody else. And for most people, again, myself included, it was my parents, right. Or society, Like, Oh, I should, I should become a banker so I can be successful and have status so I could spell my peers think I'm successful, right? Again, nothing so that's, wrong with that's it. that's how you wound up on Wall Street, right? I mean. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. It wasn't really like my true calling and passion, right? Because I was asking, what should I do, right? Yeah. So that, too, and also marriage, right? People get married. People have kids. And again, that's awesome. I want to get married one day and have kids too one day. But also, it's like back in the day, I was like, oh, I should get married when I'm 26. I should have three kids by the time I'm 30. <laughs> <laughs> and just kind of the default thing, right? Cause it, and the crazy thing is it's a, it's, a, it's a cycle, right? We all, it's kind of like getting caught in the ocean current here, right? It's like once you get caught in the, the white water when you're surfing, it's like hard to get out of it. Mm-hmm. So it's like everybody, not everybody, most people, they start to get in that, right? My friends are, oh, they got married at 26. Oh, I should get married at 26. And then it's like you have this pressure and you're getting sucked into that, right? So I'd say start with like notice the question you're asking and be like, Instead, if it's what should I do, change it. Like, what do I want? Like, ask a more empowering question or like, what would make me happy or what's exciting to me? Um, also, another good one to ask to understand your values more is what's most important to me. So like, mm. if you're ever stuck in any moment or during the day, even during the day, I ask myself this question all the time. It's like, if I'm kind of like stuck in the day, because again, as a business owner, there's so many things to do. So if I'm ever kind of at a part where I go, oh, shoot, should I do this or that? I'm like, all right, just calm, breathe for a second. Like what's most important to me right now? Because also it's not just about my business, it's about my, I have my girlfriend here with me. So I'm like, it's values, right? Like I want to grow my business, but also love is like my ultimate top value. So sometimes I'm like, oh, should I make this extra phone call and like spend another hour on the phone or to go for a walk with my girlfriend at 6 p.m. and enjoy the sunset? Most people, because they're trying to build make their partner happy even though it's not like oh I gotta do this call so I can make a lot of money so I could buy my partner stuff or take her somewhere versus no like what she really wants is you to like go for a walk with her at sunset right so we kind of again climb the ladder of success because we think it's going to get us what we want but what we want is like right in front of our nose we just have to like pause for a second right so that's another good question so I'd start with that what's most important what do I want and then maybe another one real quick 
and then I'll pass it back to you. Like definitely start reading books, like read books on personal growth and mindset, stuff that's gonna feed your mind some good stuff. Cause again, it's really just your thoughts. You wanna start feeding it. If you're eating sugar all day, you're gonna not have great outputs, right? But if you start eating greens and carrots and good stuff, you'll start having good outputs. So you just wanna start reading at least half an hour. That's what I did again. Like I just started reading books on personal growth and I'm like, Every day, even to this day, it's a habit. Like every day I read books on feeding my mind, even if it's for five minutes, just to keep the habit going. So that, and then the other one real quick, I'd say if they feel called to meditate, meditate. Um, or the other one is find a mentor or a peer group. Because being around who you spend time with is who you become. So that's probably even the quickest and the best maybe, if you want to call it the best. If you just got to find the way to just put yourself around people that are doing the thing you want to do, but not just one time over and over. So like, and it's hard, right? Cause it's like for me to go find the successful business owner that's way ahead of me, I have to like level up my game and my energy to like be in their space. So to do it once, it's like, Oh, I have to grow to do it again. I have to grow some more. So like I would find a networking group or an entrepreneurs group if you want to build a business, mentors, and like set up a process where every week, every other week, I'm going to be around these people to make sure they keep me rising up to the top. So what makes you come alive? Because I think there's, there's kind of a debate. You know, we tell our kids, you know, go for what you're passionate about. The money will follow. And then other people say, you know, figure out what your skills are. And then as you develop your skills, you'll find a passion that will help, you know, help you become the best version of yourself. What, what are your thoughts on that, Naeem, in terms of, of just, you know, career advice when it comes to following, quote unquote, following our passion? Um, so that, I would say, again, I, I, I'm always a believer of for sure, like follow your passion because that's where your energy is going. Uh, but also too, again, depends on your outcome, depends on your, we said before, know, thy, know, know thyself, right? You also got to know who you are, right? Some people, they're good at just jumping ship and just going all in. Other people, and there's not good or bad, right? Like other people are like, all right, let me go have this job so I have like cash flow. And then on the side, let me build my dream business, which is also a great idea too. That depends on, again, your personality type and what feels good to you, right? But definitely following your passion. And to me, passion and purpose, one is, it's not, it used to be to me, I was like, oh, this big thing, what's my purpose, right? And it's like an existential question. But like every moment, whatever, like right now, my purpose is being on this podcast with you, hmm. right? So it's not like, oh, my purpose is to change a billion people's lives and feed the world, right? Like that's cool too, right? But like your purpose is also a small thing. Oh, my purpose right now is to do this podcast. My purpose after this is to have a coaching call with my client, right? So it doesn't need to be like this crazy, big, complex thing too. But uh, following your passion, I for sure think that's a great thing because again, it's where your energy is going. Mm -hmm. And the key is finding, making it align again with your values. Because again, the reason why people sometimes don't want to follow it is because it might not be aligned with their values or so they think. So if you don't, you might just not realize how it is aligned with it. So you might just want to start asking the question, like if my top value is love or one of my other top values is impact, like a lot of people want to be successful, right? Like have success and significance or, or also health, right? For me or contribution. And I wanted to be like a marine biologist. Like I'm like, uh, I don't know if I can make a career. It can be successful. So it's like, all right, cool. How could being a marine biologist, this is a question you had asked. How could being a marine biologist or X, whatever it is for you, or a skateboarder or a YouTuber, whatever it is you want to be, or a podcaster, like how will, how can I, how will be doing this X help me experience more Y, which is the value, right? And if you ask your brain a question where you see all this artificial intelligence, like chat GPT, you ask it a question that has amazing answers. If you ask your brain a question, it'll give you some amazing answers. You just got to, just like ChatGPT with the prompting, if you give it a bad prompt, it's going to give you a bad, a bad answer. But if you prompt ChatGPT well, just like if you prompt your brain well, you're going to get some great answers. So I would um, align it with your values, right? So how will, how will being a marine biologist help me experience more impact? How will being a marine biologist help me experience more love in my life? How will being a, being, being a marine biologist help me make 
$100 million, right? Like, and you'll think of creative ways and not just answer it once, answer it like 100 times, right? And this goes wow. back to grit and the effort, right? This is where successful people, they do the things unsuccessful people won't. So are you willing to do something like that? 100 times, write it down on a piece of paper over and over and over until you start to literally rewire your nervous system. And that goes back to neuroplasticity and the way our brain works. Yeah. You've spent a lot of time with really successful people. Um, for the average person, what do you think the biggest misconception is that we have when it comes to quote unquote being successful? Uh, well, I'd say, yeah, most people think it's an external thing, um, but it's not, right? It's an internal thing. And it, there's also a big distinction between do you want success or do you want fulfillment? Because most people, they get success. You can get success. But that's where we see the kind of proverbial story of the billionaire that commits suicide or the artist or the actor or the rock star or the athlete that is unhappy and same thing. My point is success isn't the thing we want ultimately. What we want is fulfillment. And fulfillment is a different game, right? And success is still cool. Like I like being successful, but it's not, I don't need success to have the fulfillment I want inside. Like I'm fulfilled now. Like I'm experiencing the emotions and my values now. I don't need the stuff outside first so I can feel it inside. I, it's, you flip it. I feel it inside now just because you're allowed to. You can feel whatever you want, right? Most people, they feel un, unpleasant things most of the time. But you reverse that. And then, then the cool thing too is when you start to feel that, if you feel more confidence, love, gratitude, joy, excitement, creativity, impact... The funny thing is you'll start to create more of that in the external world anyway, but you're also not attached to it. So I'd say that's the big distinction though. It's the fulfillment thing that everybody wants. Like when I talk to these really successful business owners, they're making like billions of dollars or hundreds of millions of dollars. Their company's really successful and they're still not happy. And it's, they're like, and when I'm like, what do you want? And they're like, the thing that makes me the happiest, and this is, it's crazy, it patterns, where right? we talked about this before, Pretty much every single time, they're like, I love seeing my team grow and get better. Like, I love helping people. <laughs> so, And they're like jealous of me. And I'm like 27, 28 years old when I was doing this. I'm like, really? Oh, right? So, but that's what's wild. Like, you see the patterns. And like, for them, it's like, it, me too. That's why I love what I do. Because it's the most fulfilling thing to like see my client light up and be grateful and like get through their pain and like fall in love or get a better body and have more confidence and all these things. So for me, that drives me and fills me up with so much energy and joy. So people, the, the, even when they get the external stuff and the success, the traditional success, the thing that really makes them happy, it's growing, making progress and contributing and like giving back and helping other people. When I hear you talk about fulfillment and just becoming a more complete person it just makes me realize that when we have that as our goal we don't need that other stuff to affirm us right we don't have to chase you know the affections or the approval of a boss or a company or an industry um because we can rest in 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 that right yep absolutely yeah it's 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 internal versus external validation Okay, uh, I want to wrap things up, Naeem. This has been so much fun. Um, I want you to grab us by the shoulders right now and look in our eyes and tell us a little bit of inspiration that'll get us, uh, get us motivated <laughs> to, to get from where we are to where we want to be. All right, I like that. Well, the first thing I'd say is everybody got to stand up, right, if you're listening to this thing and move your body around a little bit because, again, it's not when we're in our head, we're dead, right? So the first thing I'd say is, Get up, move your body, shake your butt a little bit, sway around a little bit. And then it's literally, you can have, do, be, create, whatever you want in your life. And you got to put in the effort too though, right? So one is I go read that book, Grit by Angela Duckworth. Because mm -hmm. it's not, I could, I used to think I could just visualize and manifest things, the law of attraction, the secret, and not do anything. And, like <laughs> and there's a check in the mailbox, right? Exactly, the money just right? starts coming in. <laughs> yep, exactly. That happens when you're doing the work, right? So it's like if I visualize and mentally rehearse, because I'm, I'm doing the work, right? Like, again, listen to Huberman's podcast. 
He has a great episode about mental rehearsal and visualization and athletes like Michael Phelps every day when he was training for the Olympics, he would visualize himself standing on the podium, holding the gold medal in his hand and like touching the edge of the wall, beating the other swimmer, like clearly specifically over and over and over every night before he went to bed. And lo and behold, because he was also putting in the work during the day. So again, it's not just the mental visualization. It's also the motor work physically doing it, right? So my point is you could do what you want. You could have what you want. You create life how you want it. You got to do the work. And it starts with, again, reading, doing the habits, the rituals, putting yourself around the right people. And also remembering this is the challenging part, I think, for most people. And I get it is challenging. It's the relationships, right? With their parents, with their friends, with their family, with their girlfriend, with the boyfriend, with their kids. They feel guilty. They feel like they're going to lose them, let, leave them behind, or they're, they're not. They're letting somebody down. And all that stuff isn't true, right? And the cool thing is when you kind of have some faith and, and trust yourself and trust there's a higher power. Mm. And the beautiful thing is, too, is when you do that, you're going to create a more beautiful, fulfilling relationship in a different way. Because most people, they have codependent relationships, right? They're not, it's not, they don't own their relationships, right? They don't have boundaries. So the beautiful thing is it might be a little painful in the beginning, but long-term, you're going to create healthier boundaries for yourself and have a more beautiful relationship you might not imagine right now. And you're also going to inspire the other people involved too, because if you're having that experience, they are too, because most people have the same, that same thing, right? With codependency and you're going to inspire them to also do that in their life too. And it makes a more uh, ind independent in the sense where people take more self-ownership and, and all, all blossom and we all do. I I'll, I'll end it on Gandhi's quote, right? We just all have to be the change that we want to see in the world. Hmm. And love is the answer, right? Boom. Like those two <laughs> things, like if you, if you remember that, it's like, and again, we know this in our heads, but like be the change you want to see. It's, you don't have to go out and change other people change yourself first and you will change the world. That's fantastic. Naeem Mahmood, it's been so much fun spending some time with you. How can folks uh, connect with you if they want to? Yeah, absolutely. They can go to my website. It's naeemmahmood.com or they can go check me out. Uh, they can check out the podcast, Peak Humans, um, or they can go find me up on uh, social, on Instagram, YouTube. It's all my name, at Naeem Mahmood. And I'm sure we'll put the links down in the show notes so people can check it out. Yep, we'll put it in the show notes. Well, thank you so much. I feel inspired. I'm ready to take on the day, man. Thank you so much. Absolutely, Mark. It's been a pleasure, and I appreciate uh, the work you guys are doing, and, and you do a great job asking questions and, and distilling this information. So thank you for what you do and, and being so professional on how you do it. Oh, I appreciate it. Thanks, man. Talk soon. Uh, absolutely. I'm Mark Wright. Thanks for listening to Beats Working, part of the Work P2P family. New episodes drop every Monday. And if you've enjoyed the conversation, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Special thanks to show producer and web editor Tamar Medford. In the coming weeks, you'll hear from our Contributors Corner and Sidekick Sessions. Join us next week for another episode of Beats Working, where we are winning the game of work.